0: Chapter Twenty Seven of the Emancipation of South America by Bartolomé Mitre, translated by William Pilling. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Piotr Nutter. Chapter Twenty Seven: The Opening of the Campaign, 1820 to 1821. The generalissima of the Liberating Army of Peru had two campaigns before him, one military of which he carried the plans in his own head the other political, the secret ramifications of which were in his own hands. The first described a circle, one half of which was drawn along the coast by the keels of Cochrane's ships, the other half was drawn through the highlands of Peru by the feet of the flying column under Arenales. These two halves separated at Pisco to reunite in the north, enclosing Lima between them. The second was more complicated. The idea was to raise into activity the moral force of public opinion, stirring up a spirit of insurrection among the Peruvian people, without the aid of which his military force was inadequate to the task before him. From Pisco he flooded the country with proclamations and organized secret agencies in Lima and throughout the interior. On the 29th of October the squadron sighted the island of San Lorenzo, and passing it entered the Bay of Callao, sailing in regular order beyond the range of the batteries a glorious pageant the ships of war came first with their crews at quarters and the guns ran out then came the long line of transports their decks crowded with troops in all the varied uniforms of the liberating army including those of the division left behind under arenales the walls of the city and the heights behind were crowded with spectators One of these spectators, who had described the scene, says, "...the liberating expedition and the capital of Peru were on mutual exhibition." A part of the squadron remained to blockade Callao. The rest, with the transports, sailed on to the bay of Ancon, 22 miles to the north of Lima. 200 infantry and 40 of the grenadiers, under Captain Branzen, landed under command of Major Reyes a peruvian with the object of occupying the village of chancay and collecting horses and provisions the royalist army encamped at Asnapucio, six miles from lima sent against them a column of six hundred men under colonel valdez upon which reyes retired Branzen, who brought up the rear with his forty horsemen turned upon the enemy as they passed a narrow defile and charged with such impetuosity that he drove their cavalry back in confusion upon the infantry and gained time for Reyes to make good his retreat with all the cattle he had collected. Meantime, two important events had occurred. Guayaquil had pronounced in favour of the revolution, and Cochrane had cut out the frigate Esmeralda from under the guns of Callao. The province of Guayaquil, once a dependency of Peru, now formed part of the Viceroyalty of New Granada, being attached to the district governed by Captain-General of Quito but from the exigencies of the moment was for a time under the rule of the viceroy of peru the port of guayaquil was the arsenal of spain on the pacific and callao being blockaded was now the last refuge of the navy dispersed by cochrane and was garrisoned by a strong battalion of spanish infantry quito had remained quiet since the outbreak of 1809 but the advance of bolivar on the north The invasion of Peru by San Martin and the victories of Cochrane on the Pacific aroused a dangerous excitement among the people. On the 9th of October, a part of the garrison of Guayaquil rose in arms and was supported by the people. The province joined the movement, declared itself independent, appointed a junta, and placed itself under the protection of San Martin and Bolivar melchior Imeric, an experienced officer was at this time captain-general of quito and had five thousand men under his command exclusive of the garrison of guayaquil the active spirit of cochrane found nothing more to do upon the ocean the spanish fleet was reduced to three frigates the prueba the venganza and the Esmeralda. the two first after bringing from the southern ports a division of the army of upper peru had taken refuge at guayaquil Cochrane boldly determined to capture the other frigate by cutting her and some smaller vessels out from under the fire of the two hundred and fifty guns mounted on the batteries of Callao, a feat which would increase his renown, and might induce San Martin to adopt more active operations against Lima, for the Admiral had no sympathy for his dilatory proceedings. He informed San Martin of his intention, and the Generalissimo accepted the idea with enthusiasm. Anchored near to the Esmeralda were the corvette Sebastiana, two brigs, two schooners, and three armed merchant vessels within a semicircular line of twenty gunboats, all shut in by a boom, through which there was only one narrow entrance. Cochrane asked for volunteers. The whole of his crew offered themselves. From them he selected one hundred and sixty seamen and eighty marines. Three days he employed in preparing fourteen boats and in instructing the men. On the night of the 4th of November, the flotilla assembled alongside the flagship, under lee of the island of San Lorenzo, where they could not be seen from shore. On the 5th, the three other vessels of the blockading squadron were sent for a cruise outside. The Spaniards, thinking the blockade was raised, celebrated the occasion by a banquet on the Esmeralda. After sundown, amid complete silence, an address from the Admiral was passed round the boats. The moment of glory is approaching i hope that the chileans will fight as they have been accustomed to do and that the english will act as they have ever done at home and abroad men and officers were all dressed in white cochrane himself wearing a blue band round his arm at half past ten fourteen boats pulled with muffled oars silently away in two parallel lines one led by captain crosby the other by captain guise cochrane went himself in another boat ahead of the rest The British frigate Hyperion and the United States frigate Macedonia lay at anchor outside the boom. As the boats passed by the latter ship, her officers, in low voices, wished the crews good luck. But an officer of the Hyperion, who shouted Hurrah as he saw them, was put under arrest, for Cochrane was not popular with the commanders of British ships, whatever sympathies he might have among the men. The last boat of the flotilla remained alongside the Macedonia. And Cochrane, knowing nothing of the desertion, went on, followed by only thirteen ships. It was very dark when, at midnight, they reached the passage through the boom. It was guarded by a gunboat. Cochrane, pistol in hand, sprang on board, threatening instant death to any man who spoke. The crew surrendered, and the boats rowed on, unperceived, straight for the Esmeralda, where Captain Coig and his officers, after their banquet, were playing cards in the cabin. Cochrane, leaping into the chains, was the first on board, but was knocked back into the boat by a sentry on the poop. In a moment he was up again, followed by his crew. The sentry fired, but was immediately cut down. "'Up, my lads! She's ours!' shouted Cochrane to the other boats, and then hailed the tops, which were already occupied by men previously told off for the purpose." The sails of the ship were at his orders, but the deck was yet held by the Spanish marines, who had seized their arms on hearing the shots fired by the sentry. Cochrane, with the boats led by Crosby, had boarded on the starboard quarter. Now Guys and his division boarded on the port side. The two parties met on the quarter-deck, Guys and Cochrane shaking hands in the enthusiasm of the moment. From the forecastle the marines opened fire upon them. Cochrane was shot through the tie seating himself on a gun he bound up the wound with his handkerchief and ordered a charge on the enemy twice the assailants were beaten back and guise was wounded but again he let on the boarders and the crew of the esmeralda were either forced overboard or driven below the hatches the alarm-gun roared from the castle of real felipe a gunboat opened fire on the frigate by which captain coig was severely wounded and one chilean and two english seamen were killed the other ships beat to quarters guise who was now in command saw the imprudence of attempting any further captures he ordered the cables to be cut the sails were set and the esmeralda sailed away in the hands of her captors the ships and the shore batteries opened a heavy fire upon her some of the shot passing over the hyperion and macedonia these vessels hung out distinguishing lights this contingency cochrane had foreseen Immediately similar lights were displayed on the Esmeralda, and at half-past two she anchored off the island of San Lorenzo. The boats followed her with two gunboats in tow, which they captured as she sailed off. The loss of the expedition was eleven killed and thirty wounded. The Spaniards lost about one hundred and sixty men killed or drowned, and two hundred prisoners. The royalists on shore accused the neutral ships of complicity in this shameful defeat, more especially the men of the Macedonia, whose sympathy for the cause of South American independence was well known. Next day, when one of her boats was sent ashore as usual for provisions, the crew was barbarously massacred by the infuriated populace. Cochrane sent a flag of truce on shore proposing an exchange of prisoners, to which the viceroy acceded. About two hundred Chileans and Argentines who had languished for years in the casemates of Callao thus recovered their liberty. The Esmeralda was renamed the Valdivia in honor of Cochrane's victory of the year before. The moral effects of the capture of the Esmeralda were very great, but from a political point of view the revolution in Guayaquil was of yet more importance still san martin turned a deaf ear to the counsels of cochrane who advised an immediate advance upon lima and on the ninth the convoy weighed anchor at ancon and sailed to the port of guacho which lies ninety miles to the north of callao on the tenth the disembarkation commenced and dalb the french engineer threw up three redoubts to secure the place he also improvised a mole to facilitate communication with the squadron the army marched inland and on the seventeenth encamped in the beautiful valley of huara which is well watered and abounds in trees and was reputed healthy but fevers were endemical along the coast in the summer and dysentery in the autumn this valley is seven miles broad by fifty-two miles in length and is intersected by a river of the same name which flows from the cordillera to the sea this river is fordable at several points but offers many strong positions for defence against superior forces of which san martin took advantage and established himself solidly on its bank ready to act either on the defensive or on the offensive as occasion might require in his front stretched a sandy desert while one of his flanks rested on Huacho and the other on the sierra in this position he held lima in check cut off all communication between the northern provinces and the capital, could either advance or retreat at his pleasure, and was ready to effect a junction with Arenales when he should make his appearance. Bethuela occupied the entrenched camp at Asnapuccio with nearly 7,000 men. He had sent off a small division against Arenales, and now threw out a vanguard of about 2,000 men to keep watch over the movements of San Martin. With this vanguard was the battalion of Numancia the men of which were for the most part natives of Venezuela, and the officers were all Americans. The emissaries of San Martin had been actively at work with this battalion, and both officers and men now only waited for an opportunity to join the army of the Patriots. San Martin determined to give them this opportunity. The cavalry being now well mounted, he detached Alvarado with seven hundred horse against the enemy's vanguard alvarado marched away along the coast on the twenty fourth of november sending lieutenant pringles in advance with eighteen grenadiers as escort to the messenger who carried a missive to inform the disaffected regiment of the approach of the patriot cavalry and was charged to concert measures with them for their evasion Pringles had strict orders not to fight on any account, but after marching all night he found himself at daybreak on the 27th, close to the entire vanguard. In front was an advance party, consisting of a squadron of dragoons led by Valdez. Upon them he charged impetuously with his 18 men, but was beaten back. Finding his retreat cut off by another squadron, he attempted to cut his way through it, but lost three men killed and 11 wounded. Seeing escape was impossible, he then plunged into the sea with such of his men as could follow him. But when Valdez galloped forward, promising quarter, he surrendered. The fifteen prisoners were paraded in triumph through the streets of Lima, where the account of this skirmish excited great enthusiasm. They were afterwards exchanged, and Pringles was tried by court-martial he was censured for disobedience to orders but both he and his companions received a badge of honour bearing the words glory to the vanquished in chancay the skirmish with pringles disclosed to valdez the proximity of the patriot cavalry on which he retired from the coast into the valley of chancay placing the numancia battalion on guard in the pass alvarado found his way into the valley by another pass but his men and horses were so fatigued by the rapid march that he was forced to withdraw to a neighbouring farm in search of rest and forage on the first of december he again came up with the enemy who retreated through a rugged defile the domancia battalion being left seven miles to the rear of the main body On the 3rd, this battalion took advantage of its position to join the Patriot column unmolested, a welcome contingent of 650 bayonets. San Martin declared that, "...the battalion belongs to the army of Colombia, but shall remain incorporated with the army of Peru till the close of the war." He showed his confidence in his new troops by confiding the flag of the liberating army to their care these events encouraged the spirit of insurrection throughout peru which extended even to the ranks of the army hardly a day passed without some desertion being reported on the eighth of december thirty-eight officers and a cadet fled from lima and the leaders began to lose confidence in each other some of the principal citizens of lima presented an address to the viceroy urging upon him the necessity of an honourable capitulation with san martin he was greatly blamed for the untoward progress of the war but was in reality powerless his authority being undermined by a conspiracy which existed in the army to supplant him by la serna on the twenty ninth of november san martin drove the royalists out of the populous department of wylas which lay in his rear The people, to the number of 70,000, swore the independence of Peru, immediately after which the whole of the northern provinces pronounced spontaneously in favor of the revolution. These were the producing provinces of Peru, and the chief source of the wealth of the Viceroyalty. They were almost entirely included in the intendancy of Trujillo, and had a mixed population of some 300,000 souls. A Peruvian general known as the Marquis of Torretagle was at that time governor of Trujillo and had been in secret correspondence with San Martín since he landed at Pisco. On the 24th of December Torretagle convened an open cabildo at Trujillo when after showing the hopelessness of resistance to the superior force of San Martín he advised submission. The royalists headed by the bishop stoutly opposed the proposition he answered their arguments by shutting them up in prison and on the twenty-ninth raised the banner invented at pisco and with the mass of the people swore to maintain the independence of peru in memory of this event trujillo bears to this day the name of departamento de la libertad Torre Tagle then called upon the city of Pura to join the movement this city was garrisoned by a royalist battalion and the people were unarmed but the attitude of the Patriot leaders was so determined that the soldiery disbanded. In this way the whole of the north of Peru, from Chancay to Guayaquil, fell into the hands of the Patriots, and San Martin secured a safe base of operations from which he could draw supplies and horses, and which gave him at once a reinforcement of 430 infantry and 200 cavalry. On the 5th of January, 1821, San Martin advanced with his whole army to Retes, seeking a junction with Arenales. La Serna, who was now in command of the royalist army, with Canterac as chief of the staff, immediately prepared to attack him in a most disadvantageous position, but lost so many days in these preparations, in consequence of the inefficient state of the army, that the friends of San Martin in Lima had time to advise him of his danger. Meantime he was joined by Arenales, and at once retired to his former position in the valley of Huara. The opportunity thus lost greatly increased the unpopularity of the viceroy with the army. The effects of the blockade of Callao by Cochrane began now to be severely felt in Lima, and were greatly aggravated by the operations of bands of guerrillas which San Martin had organized among the country people an argentine from salta named villar who had been a prisoner in the casemates of callao was the commander of these guerrillas. they infested all the roads leading to the capital and frequently destroyed small detached parties of troops or outposts of the royalist army from huara san martin decreed a provisional regulation by which the territory occupied by the patriots was divided into four departments each under a president who had under him governments of districts while a court of appeal was established at trujillo this was the first attempt at constitutional administration in peru and prepared the way for a national government In three months San Martin had achieved success as great as the winning of a pitched battle could have given him, a result which amply falsifies the accusations of inactivity or timidity which have been brought against him, for these successes were gained by an army of four thousand men opposed to one of twenty-three thousand. End of chapter 27